American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. The problem of the 20th century was not how to produce enough goods, but how to sell the goods. This is the essence of what economist Simon Patton wrote about. For the first time in the history of civilization, mankind has reached a point where the means of satisfying its needs are in excess of the needs themselves. Even breakfast. Breakfast cereal, something that we take to be, you know, almost ahistorical, was transformed in the late 19th century and early 20th centuries from a shift from commodity grains, from corn into Kellogg's cornflakes into very particular prepackaged kinds of goods. And this changed not just what Americans ate at the breakfast table, but also how they shopped. It's a wildly different world where you go into a store that has large bins of grain and a world in which you go into a well-lit store with, that has many, many stacks of identical boxes of prepackaged food. Simon Patton wrote, the grocery windows stacked with, quote, breakfast foods, unimagined 10 years ago, witnesses at the same time that the use of non-wheat products has increased the demand for cereals in astonishing multiples. Less monotonous, more palatable, and very easily prepared, these ready-to-eat goods are perhaps the cheapest in proportion to nutrition and to labor power saved that have yet been found. This is obviously before people discovered gluten-free diets. For Patton and others, this question of surplus was not just about the economy. It was about the very meaning of life itself, especially for working Americans. The economic revolution is here, he wrote, but the intellectual revolution that will rouse men to its stupendous meaning has not done its work. The unskilled laborer need no longer be held to the plane of sheer animal terror by uncertainty of food and employment. This was a change not just in how people bought, but how people lived. Branded goods co-emerged with modern advertising. The idea here was that people wanted clean food. They wanted to be certain about what they were getting. Now that they were not living on the margins of their incomes, they wanted to make sure they were getting what they had paid for. Advertisers sold these branded goods as certain, as things that were clean and healthful and good for you. What's different about branded goods like branded food is that they are not sold on markets the way generic commodity goods would be sold like corn. They are made in a factory, so that Kellogg's is made in a factory and then sold. So this allows for a different kind of relationship. Just as department stores began to bypass auctions and go directly to manufacturers, so too did new kinds of stores called chain stores take advantage of this direct connection by buying in volume from manufacturers and selling to their customers. The most important of these first chain stores was a company called the Great Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company, or the AMP, which by 1900 had 200 stores across the country selling these kinds of branded foods and goods to its customers. Now, before 1913, the AMP was like any other store. 
It offered credit. It offered delivery. There were clerks that would pull the goods off the shelves. And there were also peddler wagons that would take things off the shelves and move around the neighborhoods. And so the AMP, while it bought like a modern store as we think of it today, it didn't sell like a modern store. And so how do we move from this older model of retail towards the gigantic chain stores that we think of now, that we think of the movement of the AMP? Well, it started in 1913 when the AMP radically reorganized what it offered in terms of services to its customers. In 1913, the AMP set out to reorganize retail. It created standard facades for all of its stores, standardized layouts for all the goods in the store. But most importantly, it got rid of credit. It made it only a cash business, cash and carry. It got rid of many of the clerks. It got rid of delivery. It got rid of the peddler wagons. And so these stores begin to look more like stores we would understand today. And alongside all of this are lower prices for consumers. All of those ancillary services begin to be pu pushed out of stores. Even the AMP didn't come up with the most amazing innovation in retail in the 19-teens. That man was Clarence Sanders in Tennessee the founder of the Piggly Wiggly. Now the Piggly Wiggly is an amazing place because it is the very first place that you have self-service. That customers are no longer mediated by clerks with the goods. In fact, it's the very first place you have centralized checkouts so that as you enter the store, you go through a veritable maze of goods, grabbing them off the shelves as you like, putting them in your cart, and taking them to a centralized checkout. This meant several things. It meant that you could reduce labor costs by getting rid of clerks. You would just have stock people and checkout people. It meant that you could reshelve the store very easily from these ramps above the shelves. And most importantly, it meant that there was no barrier between the customer and the good, that everything could be bought on impulse without being judged or asked or intermediated. And so that customers began to buy more, much more, as they were forced to examine everything in the store and then they could pick for themselves. Every person who shopped in the self-service of the Piggly Wiggly bought double what they would buy in an AMP. This is a tremendous boom in how customers are negotiating these branded good markets for themselves. And also the customer then becomes the focus of advertising, right? That instead of selling to a distributor and then selling to a store owner, they're selling directly to the customer because the customer is the one who ultimately decides on what they're going to buy. They're no longer getting a clerk's advice. The self-service, the centralized checkout, combined with the AMP's uh, price methods and distribution systems allows an explosion of chain stores in the 1920s. By 1930, AMP has 16,000 locations in the United States. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University.